Welcome to Digging the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways of bringing these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the Online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and Space to Meditate and an MBSR teacher and trainer. Greetings, Doug. How are you doing, John? I'm okay. I'm Good. okay. I'm still find it. I'm trying to find the self that is non-existent. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Keep looking, you know, yeah. as we go into a, sort of a Nietzsche part two. Sorry, Anatta part two. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's a big topic. We could, we could spend quite a few podcasts just talking about this, but I, I thought it was worth continuing and we can look at it from any number of places and yeah, in our last in our last episode, we sort of talked more about. I mean, well, we tried to sort of introduce the topic in case if so. If any of you guys out there in podcast land <laughs> are sort of wondering about uh, what it what it means, this idea of non self, then uh, check out our last podcast if you haven't already. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Good point. And um, yeah, one of the things we we talked about in that uh, is like how we take things personally. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, and we do. I mean, inevitably, we take things personally, and yeah. and uh, it's um, it, both. We take things personally, you know, when somebody gives us a high praise, and we take things personally. Certainly, when somebody doesn't like something we did, yeah. or something we said, or some way we are, and uh, you know, that's a clear case of clinging to self. How we hold that is so important. And, and how we work with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these, another one of these issues where uh, I think people who come to this idea of non-self, they may wonder, is it, you know, some intellectual, philosophical, something or other? And, you know, there's aspects of that too. But but this is one, I think, area in which, it re- you know, the rubber hits the road, where you can see directly how an ordinary conception of self leads to distress leads to suffering um because as you say we take things personally we take especially you know people saying bad things about us we i i take it personally too i mean look i'm not i'm not enlightened yet so <laughs> uh, and the buddha talks about that actually in uh, several of his suttas he talks about how you know the part of what it is to be who he was was you know he didn't it was like water off a duck's back you know if somebody gave him praise it didn't go to his head and if somebody criticized him for saying something it, he didn't you know particularly care yeah i mean there's the famous sutta where he gives the gift back right right um yeah. it's like of, of, of whatever the insult was you know and um yeah i mean and of course if <laughs> if he if he held on to all the praise he would have like seen himself as some great god and of course you know we've seen that through the ages of course where people hold on to you know these where their underlings are continually praising them and that, you know, it's, it's kind of, they need this false assurance that, you know, they are who they are. And, and, you know, that's really, you know, it's, it's, it's sad to see, of course. And, and, um, sadly it happens far too often, but, you know, in terms of our, my own personal experience, it's like, I have a, a, a kind of, kind of sideline example to that in my old life. Um, as a uh, when I was you know working with a lot of performing artists, um, 
I would I had this one friend who would occasionally introduce me as the person who represents this person. Right. You know, right, and it's sure. like, oh, that's an interesting identity. You know, it's like, how do we hold on to these identities? Or now, you know, it's like, if I'm identified as a teacher, I that always kind of sets me back because I don't necessarily, I teach, but I don't necessarily like the identity of teacher, mm. which is curious in itself, right? It's just like... What's, I, the, what's the issue? Do you have any... I, well, it's just like, well, I'm... I, I, I'm just, you know, kind of a, a conduit for information, I suppose, a conduit right. for for whatever wisdom I have, uh, I've gained. But it's not like it's my wisdom, right? Right. But that's true with every that teacher, keep... isn't it? Yeah, I mean, of course. You know, well, it should be anyway. It right? should be, yeah. I mean, you know, some teachers are so identified with their role as teacher that right. they can't get past it and sort of, and, 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 you know, it's because they've been puffed up in certain ways. And so it also brings in the issue of pride. Exactly. Right, which is mm -hmm. another form of selfing to the, you know, to a great extent. Um, and, uh, you know, and then shame. You know, we yeah. feel shame. And, and another form of selfing actually is guilt. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling guilty. Yeah. You know, because that's. I mean, really there, there are healthy forms of, of, of pride, and there are healthy forms of. I wouldn't say guilt, but of of regret, regret uh, or remorse, regret of yeah. remorse, yeah. something that we've done in the past. Yeah, uh, pride over good things that we've done. The Buddha tells us it's good to re recollect on the good things that we've done in the past in order to gain uh, energy to move forward into the future. But yeah, we can we can all too often identify with them, and that yeah. becomes a, that becomes a problem. Beca I mean, yeah. It goes to our head. We become egotists. Yeah, uh, and so many teachers can or professors fall into that trap. Uh, right, or politicians. Was, or, or politicians. <laughs> I mean, I'm more familiar with the professor types yeah. because yeah, <laughs> but, of course. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and then you know that leads to all sorts of other issues, of course. Yeah. Um, which we don't need to get into here, but I mean, it's, you know, abuse of that, of that power, you know, because they've taken it as who they are and therefore yeah. they can then use that. Um, and you know, that's dangerous. Yeah. And that's one of the downsides of taking things, positive things personally, mm -hmm. you know, you sort of think, of, I always think of the negative ones because, you know, I'm one of these people who, you know, I get a thousand nice comments and then get one nasty comment. And then it's the one nasty comment <laughs> that sticks with me for yeah. the rest of the day, yeah. Yeah. which is silly. But in any event, um, yeah. And, and but, but but positive ones for some people can be uh, even worse in the sense that, you know, they become invested in being perfect. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's or, or, or become egotistical about it, which is another sort of side of that. Yeah. And that, that happens to me too. I mean, look, I'm not going to say it doesn't, but, and I, tr I try, you know, but I think of myself when I do my videos, you know, as somebody who has to know X, Y, and Z and, you know, have to, I'm supposed to know everything mm -hmm. before I put the video out. But that's sort of a, you know, that's not a good way to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I'm in a way the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why we're yeah. doing this podcast. I know. It's right? like, I, I, I love to kind of start teaching something I really don't know about yeah. in a sense. So a, I sort of, I, I, I mean, I know enough about it obviously, but, but if I've never taught it uh, a concept, you know, then it's like, I want to discover it as it's going along and, and, you know, discover it as I'm teaching it in a sense. Um, and that's a really interesting way of being as well. 
Um, so yeah, it could be crazy at times, but uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, um, but you have to you have to be grounded enough to be able to course. do that yeah. well, which yeah. you can. But not everyone yeah. can do that well. That's true, because <laughs> otherwise um, you can sort of spin yourself out. Yeah, and and so you know, if we, yeah, and and so the, again, this is a form of suffering. It's a form of dukkha. So you know, as I've said, I think on this show, on this podcast, any number of times, it's like that moment that we feel something is wrong something is off something you know the moment that we we know dukkha is a moment to look right and what do we look at we look at what we're clinging to you know and 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 if we're clinging to a sense of self to the point where it is creating dukkha then what do we do about that you know it's like oh it's that it's like mostly it's just recognizing what it is and and it's sort of the moment of seeing that it's like oh wow and sometimes somebody has to point it out to us, right? And and uh, I mean, I re- I remember a few years ago, you know, I, I I had an incident of pretty unskillful speech, and it and it ended up hurting a couple of people in the process, and you know that stuck with me for a number of weeks, and I was really beating myself up until my other half said, you know, you are not that action, and. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I could feel something else. Then something else happened. You know, so it's like just having it pointed out sometimes is, is important. Um, instead of clinging to the notion that I am that. Well, and, and you know, uh, the, the importance of sincere remorse is, is also, of course, yeah, is critical. I mean, obviously yeah. there's lots of people out there who give lip service to remorse and then just go on doing the same things. <laughs> um, and to an extent, you know, I, I, you know, we all are imperfect, and so we'll tend to repeat our mistakes more than once, even if we don't want to. But there is a difference, I think, between yeah, yeah, you know. And the other way of looking at anatta is through the the aggregates of clinging, which you know are really referred to the aggregates of clinging to self, right? Um, isn't that what they're called? Uh, the aggregates of clinging to self. I think it's the clinging aggregates is what they're called. But uh, yeah, but the idea would be the cling to self. Right, sure. Right. That they're, or we take that we cling to them as self. Uh, that's right. Right. We take them. We take each of them as who we really are. Right. Whether it's our consciousness or physical perception form. or form yeah. or yeah or whatever. Yeah, and in a way, I mean, you know, if there is any sense of self, it is the kind of a continual interaction of these aggregates, which, you know, create a momentary sense of self. And that momentariness is always carrying forward in one way or another. And sometimes we're clinging to one more than the other. So whether we're clinging to this body or clinging to this action or clinging to this intention or clinging to this perception, you know, those are all forms of clinging to self. And, you know, when we start to see that and, and see where it has the potential to lead Know, or how it has the potential to lead us astray or lead us into dukkha, you know, that's really a, a, a major insight. Um, and it's like, ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> in this moment, these aggregates are coming together in a particular way, and they're going to change in the next moment. And, um, you know, if we see ourselves merely as a collection of these aggregates, um, it's kind of an interesting way of, of and seeing others as the same thing you know, the collection of those aggregates, you know, and it's like, oh, we're just, 
we're just walking around. We're just a walking bunch of aggregates, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of a nice way of experiencing it. And, and one could say the same thing using the elements, right? Well, I mean, yeah, which is one of the aggregates. I mean, the aggregate of form is made yeah. up of the elements. And the other yeah. aggregates can be split up into their various right. subtypes, you know. Yeah, so it's never ending. Yeah, and, and like, th that was the way the Buddha meant it, you know, yeah. is that you could keep splitting this thing down and analyzing yeah. it, and you know. And yeah. so it, it, it disintegrates in a way that, that we were talking about before about how taking things personally well this is the way to sort of try to take things or one of the of the strategies one of the one of the practices we can use to try to take things more impersonally because we begin to to the idea of of a person that's you know that's responsible a solid thing that we're you know either praising or blaming that begins to disintegrate when we start thinking of the self in this in the in these terms yeah yeah exactly and I mean, one place this has always been interesting, an interesting exploration, at least for me, is in, in meditation practice where, you know, when we sit in meditation, of course, initially, you know, there's the, the me meditating, you know, I'm sitting, I'm breathing, at least these are the initial kind of, this is the initial sense of it, right? That, okay, you know, and the instruction is, you know, coming into your breath, but at some point, the and, and I know when I guide meditations, I generally depersonalize the breath and I depersonalize the body. I, I let go of the the the, the possessive nature of it and just say the the body, the breath, because it is the breath that's breathing. It's the body that's experiencing. Of course, you know we naturally initially think, well, it's my I'm I'm breathing, <laughs> right? And I'm sitting and I'm doing this and I, okay, fine. You know, that's, that's okay to have that initial sense of that. But then, you know, as, as we continue with practice, and again, it's that moment where within our meditation practice, we get stuck, you know, and we will often, of course, get stuck on my thoughts, <laughs> right? As if they're my personal thoughts. And, you know, and I know, I think it's Joseph Goldstein who would occasionally say, well, just pretend they're your neighbor's thoughts, you know, which, you know, they might as well be. It's like they're just thoughts, right? And and we we identify so strongly with those thoughts and then we can't get out of the worrying about whatever it is we're thinking about or or my pain or my this or my that. And it's like, okay, these are moments where the identification with the one who is experiencing these difficult things is me, is Amy, is, is a self. And, you know, we're not denying that the pain isn't in my knee, right? Mm -hmm. It is. But, but if it's really explored and explored just as we were talking about in terms of the aggregates or in the elements, you know, we see that it's just uh, a continual shifting of, of sensation, you know. And then, you know, what gets even more interesting, of course, is if we drop the notion that there's a me doing anything. Right. There is just meditation. There is just meditation happening and experience is happening. And there's a knowing of that experience. And there's, um, at some point, po possibly, right, within that experience, there is the letting go of anything needs to happen to this person who's meditating, this being who's meditating. And, and, at least in my experience, that's a moment of, of real freedom because nothing, nothing is needed. There is just experiencing. There's no, 
quote, me experiencing anything. There's just experiencing happening. And the moment that the me jumps in, that freedom disappears. Because the me either wants to hold on to it, or maybe if it's an unpleasant experience, the me wants to get rid of it. And so there's just kind of seeing that clearly and experiencing it directly, you know, is a real fruition of, of practice. Um, and, you know, of course, with some people, it happens like almost automatically. <laughs> and then they don't know what happened, you know, and, and it's like, uh, you know, these sudden experiences of, of freedom can be scary for some people. It's like, what's happening? You know, it's where, where, where'd I go or whatever it is, you know, there's this kind of, and yet if there's a, and this is why, you know, the, the, the cognitive knowing of this is important. So there's a recognition of, of, you know, what's true really in that moment, you know, cause if it happens with no cognition of anatta, no understanding of it, it can be really quite disconcerting. <clears throat> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I mean, part of the this idea of not taking your own thoughts so seriously, you know, not believing everything that you think, that yeah. this, this idea, we were talking about earlier, you know, taking things personally. And I think, you know, oftentimes or usually what we tend to do is to take our own thoughts personally. And that's what leads to, to the kinds of proliferation. This is mental. Yeah repeating of thoughts and ideas because we're taking them personally we're taking them as ours and in meditation at least i have found many times that if i use that kind of meditation that uh, joseph coldstein talks about uh you know not necessarily thinking they're the, the thoughts of somebody next to me but beginning to think of them as not my thoughts but because i don't have any control over them they're just things that arise in the mind they're their ideas, thoughts mm -hmm. that arise in this kind of experience. And here they come, and there they go. And so that's another way of not taking them personally. Uh, at least I find that oftentimes when I, when I approach thoughts that way, it, they tend to sort of die away more easily of their own accord. They, mm -hmm. There's nothing, it seems like the, it's almost like they need a kind of a, a a, a heat, you know, the heat of the self idea to keep them going. And then when they sort of take that away and, and in person, you know, depersonalize them all and sort of make them more impersonal. Yeah. They don't have the same power over us. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Just how personally we take everything is, is fascinating. And, and, um, uh, I, I think it's, uh, can be quite interesting can be debilitating, uh, really. In a certain well, lot of ways. you mean yeah. as we take things personally? Yeah, yeah exactly. for sure. You know, I, one of one of the exercises I often uh, suggest to people is, you know, as you go out for a walk, there's me as the subject looking at some object, let's say a bird. You know, well, what about when the bird's looking at you? You know, what if you shift that relationship or just drop the idea that there's any. Uh, uh, um, object at all or any subject at all. It's just experience happening. And, um, you know, the, the thing is, if we recognize moments during our day, and, and I, I, a really good example of this sometimes is, um, you know, we hear stories of, of, I remember a story years ago, there was a, a horrible plane crash in Washington, DC. This was like in the early eighties, I think it, like, 
was it left Washington National and crashed right in the river in the Potomac. I think I remember that. And yeah. um, uh, and I, I remember hearing the stories of like a guy that would, a guy just jumped into the freezing water and pulled somebody out. It was like there was no thought of me having to do any, you know, him having to do anything. He just did it. And you know, when we and that's an extreme example, but just like um, those moments where you find yourself acting in in a way that surprises you. You know, whether, you know, some compassionate action, because compassion doesn't arise from a sense of self, right? Compassion is just arising. In fact, it arises from that sense, that anatta, you know, compassion just arises and an action results from that compassion. There is no me doing anything. And when we experience those moments, when we realize, and it may take a recollecting back to see that, it's like, oh, you know, there it is, right there, or there it not is. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no me there doing anything except being, in a sense. And um, so, this is another, you know, what, you know, compassion really arises from anatta, um, because if there's no me doing anything, there is just being and being present and being in this moment and uh, experiencing what's in front. And responding accordingly. Well, um, I think you're talking about a, a very refined kind of compassion, though, because there are lots of kinds of compassion that aren't quite as refined or, or as pure as the one that you're talking about. Uh, well, I where, guess where there's more of a sense of self, where we're doing uh, yeah. it out of you know we're doing something that's good for other people, but we're also doing it because we're expecting something back in return right, or whatever. Right. That's you know. that's a yeah, and we and it's a that's a very important line to see like what is expected i mean in, in a sense true compassion has no expectation right right it's just arising maybe arising from empathy of course where there is an identification with what's going on and then from that something shifts right um it's another discussion where we you know we can talk a lot more about compassion and and and, and what it actually is or how it's experienced i guess um but for sure if if the self gets in the way, then it's, then that becomes something a little different than, than true compassion or true love actually. So, um, Oh, I think there's a gradations. There's lots of gradations yeah. here in the middle. Sure. Yeah. And most of what we do is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Okay. I buy that. <laughs> I'll accept that. Most of what I do is certainly in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. So right? yeah. Yeah. And this is middle way after all. That's, yeah. It's a different intention, but yes, yes I know. So, good yeah so yeah i hope this has been helpful to people it's it's a huge area of exploration and and you know for me anyway it's it's i mean anyone who's seriously uh exploring meditation and seriously exploring these teachings the teachings on anatta are are essential and and the the way you know really starting to see just how they are experienced and embodied over time uh, is is key and uh, recognizing it. Yeah, and I think I've I've had some comments on some of my videos where I talk about these topics, and some people just don't get it. I mean, they, in other words, they they have a lot of trouble understanding anatta, yeah. and you know, eventually, I sometimes will say, you know, look, if you don't understand, if it doesn't strike you, then leave it aside for now and just get with the other you know, practices, and you'll come around to it. Because as you do mindfulness meditation, 
you know, following the breath and just watching what's happening, uh, you'll you'll fall into it eventually <laughs> because it <laughs> it manifests. Yeah, as as uh, John Kabat-Zinn says, you fall awake. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, that does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All Thanks, right. John. Wonderful. Thank you. And. Uh, we appreciate hearing from you, so please send us your comments and uh, again, and check out our website. Yeah. We have we can allow you can buy us coffees, <laughs> either one or even you can subscribe and get things in in in, in return. Which yeah, exactly. I'm told they're pretty neat. Well, we have I don't know. We'll I have can't to remember what they are, but I think you know there's like occasional one-on-one sessions or uh, maybe even eventually some videos. I mean, uh, I. Yeah, you have to go look. Yeah, you have to go look and figure out what you want. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, friends. Uh, and Doug, great to see you. Until next time. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider leaving a review on your local podcast directory. It would help us out a lot. You can check John out at johnaaron.net and Doug at Doug's Dharma on YouTube and his Patreon page linked in the notes. You've been listening to Dig in the Dharma with Doug Smith and John Aaron. Thank you.